Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, October 12th, and we are once again live on the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. We are your friendly neighborhood weekly social webcast, finally giving that voice to nearly 5 million young adults affected by cancer. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living, because the Stupid Cancer Show is on the air. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. We are here to change the world, one chemo infusion at a time, and share all of our collective correctness. This broadcast is a program for the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates for the next generation of survivors and caregivers. It's all about us, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to the system that's ignored us for way too long. The past three decades of cancer progress have failed the next generation, so there's no reason to think the next 30 years will be any different unless change happens right here, right now. Join us and be the change that needs to happen. Hell, we invented Google and Facebook and Twitter. We kept Sanjaya on American Idol all those weeks. We can do anything we want. This is Generation Cancer. It's our fight and our duty to give back to our own. We have the sheer numbers, the voting power, and the influence to change the rules because remission is not an excuse for a cure. And survivorship is all that really matters. Last week's show, October 5th, Stupid Breast Cancer Part 1, with Stephanie LaRue in our Survivor Spotlight, Janine Guglielmino from Living Beyond Breast Cancer and Jenna Glazer from the Young Survival Coalition gave us some spirited conversation about the pink nausea in front of us, before us, behind us, and all around us. Tonight's show is Stupid Breast Cancer Part 2, Pink Nausea Conspiracies. In the spotlight, Courtney Bugler, young adult survivor of breast cancer, also with the Young Survival Coalition. Kasha Ho, program manager of our favorite organization, Think Before You Pink, Breast Cancer Action. And Dr. Deborah Davis, returning champion, will be with us tonight to discuss the secret history, the war on cancer, environmental activism, and all such things fabulous. So hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network coming at you live 
from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I am your host, Matthew Zachary, a 13-year young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. Joining me live in the studio tonight, our chief cancer anarchist, Jack Buffard. Hello, Jack. Hi, Matt. How are you doing, pal? What are you way over there for? I'm right here. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking in the wrong direction. You're looking at our guest. Yes, I am. Jack will be monitoring our live, concurrent, interactive chat room. So if you have something to say, let him have it. And grill him with simple questions to stump his small little mind. Joining us live in our studio audience tonight, Dawn Manley and Laura Otis. Say hello, ladies. Hi. Hi, guys. Welcome hello, to ladies. The, yeah, hello, ladies. Welcome to the show. And as always, it is my esteemed pleasure to introduce my official partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing from the Windy City of Chicago, fellow young adult survivor and author of the acclaimed book, Everything Changes, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in Your 20s and 30s. And when I say acclaimed, I mean acclaimed. The lovely, talented, blogtastic, and spectacular Carol Rosenthal. Hello. Matthew and Jack. Hi. Hello, my dear. How are you this week? I'm great. I just celebrated my birthday on Saturday. 29. Woohoo! Yeah, you Woo-hoo! make it 29. 29 forever. I mean, 20... Maybe you should start a new store. Forever 29. <laughs> yeah, forget yeah. Forever 19 or Forever 21. It's going to be 29 forever. Yeah, it's Forever 29. No, I'm 37. I'm very happy to be 37. All right, you got another round of applause. We're making 37 look like the new 27. I can't wait to be 37. Yeah, you got like, what, four more years to be 37? I have 17 years to go before oh. I'm 37. <laughs> Jack, making it look real good. Great, I could be your mom. God bless stem cell treatment, right? Yeah. That's so, um, yeah, so yeah I had a fun fun birthday weekend. I carved pumpkins and uh, cooked a lot of soup and hung out with my friends. And, and um, I, I feel like today is still the weekend because, you know, the whole Columbus Day thing. Yeah, that's right. Happy um, Columbus Day to everyone out there. Yes. Or what is, what is the PC version of it now, Native People's Day or something? Yeah. Happy something Native to everybody. American Massacre Day? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. No, Columbus like wiped out a whole popu- a whole civilization. Native exactly. American Massacre Day. We just lost our entire Native American audience. Thanks, Jack. Oh. Well, yeah. thanks for him. It's not a it's not a happy yeah. day for everyone. No, it's but, you not. You know, a happy the day. other the other thing I did today aside from celebrating this holiday is I just posted this blog post especially with Luke in mind. Um and I would love for people Luke to comment. Holland. It's it's a yeah Luke Holland, um, it's about poetry. I want people's poems, cheesy poems, sappy poems, sad poems, inspiring cancer poems. I figure it's time to get down and dirty with poetry. I have a poem. Yeah. Roses are red, violets are blue. I love you, and so does Matt. Well, gee, that's a good one. Sorry, that was just not acceptable. I feel the love, though. I really feel the love. <laughs> Jack just got voted off the island. <laughs> no, I, I had this survivor send me this incredible poem the other day. It was just so riveted, and I don't usually think that much about poetry, but this just kind of knocked my socks off, so I, I want more. I want people to share their poems. Is it long? Would you like to read it? Um, it You know, it's not long, but I want people to read it like 
it is the spacing of it is so cool and like the way that this guy uses parentheses and it's really this visual experience it's so it's not that i don't want to read it but i want people to like read it on the screen because it is just it's very cool and you know he's not a younger guy he's an older guy he was married and his wife of 38 years recently died of breast cancer and he's been reading my blog and commenting on my blog and i just thought you know it's so cool that you know, the young adult community is not exclusively for young adults. Here's this awesome guy who sent me this poem. And, um, yeah, I, just, I thought other people would like to read it, and I'd like to read other people's poems, too. So it's not like a visual mind job like reading E.E. E. Cummings, right? No, it's, it's not quite as E.E. E. Cummings, but there is just this very cool spacing. And um, I, I, I want, you know, I want folks to look at it on the screen. It's very interesting. And I apologize if I nerded myself up by knowing what E.E. E. Cummings was. Oh, no, I, to- I, I totally nerd myself up with the E.E. E. Cummings. I was actually sitting on a death and dying panel once. I get invited oh. to the classiest things. <laughs> I was sitting on a death and dying panel with this guy who was quoting Dylan Thomas, but he said it was actually E.E. E. Cummings, and I was like, um, excuse me, sir. Yeah, big difference. <laughs> There's kind of a couple worlds apart between E.E. E. Cummings and, and Dylan Thomas. So, yeah, I'm kind of an E.E. E. Cummings geek, too. So yeah. we geek out on that one together. So in in your travails, I know you and I actually spent the weekend with our significant others for the first time in many 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 days. I spent the weekend alone, so Good. I was pretty much with my significant other too. <laughs> but have you? I mean, obviously tonight's show and this whole month is about pink. Have you been uh, witness to any pink onslaughts? I I actually been I have not gone retail shopping in a very long time, so I think I'm. I've cocooned myself from that, but did you happen to, you know, see anything while you were around? <laughs> Actually, I am in the Pinkathon Breast Cancer Spectacular pullout of the Chicago Sunday Tribune. Um, really? And, yeah. And so um, I think I've joined the, the Pink Nausea this, this year. Um, you drafted I, unintentionally, unwillingly? Well, first it was, you know, I was drafted, and I happily wrote this thing about cancer blogging, and, and they want to syndicate it. So I had a photographer come to my house today to take my picture, and you know what I wore? I wore a bright pink T-shirt. I did. I did. I succumbed to the pink nausea this year. I don't know. That, that might get one of these, you know. Ooh. Can you believe it? I, I did. Yeah, I'm 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 shocked and appalled, but yet surprisingly intrigued. Yeah, well, you know, you, sometimes you you gotta you gotta think about the visual image. I thought, you know, when 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 somebody's just rifling through the newspaper, it really is a pink shirt that jumps out at you sometimes. You know, all that black print and the gray page, and and I just kind of had to do it up with a little bit of pink. So um, that's been my pink nausea for this year. My husband did see a pink street cleaning machine, which I no thought way. was hilarious. Um, and that's about that's about all. I haven't been too inundated this year. I don't know. I might be living under a rock or. Um, Someone did post this on my Facebook, and I retweeted it today. But apparently, some organization has ranked the top ten worst and most violent, disgusting, and offensive pink products of the season. And there's something <laughs> like um, I I have to start out with an anecdote. Do you remember like a couple of years ago they made this Christmas fish? That was like like it sat on like um like a a taxidermy wall and like it laughed and sang Christmas songs. Yeah, it was like a motion sensor thing that would sing like "Take Me to the River." Yeah, it was a fish that hung on like a, like it was mounted like a deer head. It was on my Hanukkah wish list, but I just didn't oh. get it. Apparently, they make they make something like that now with breasts on it. 
and they 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 jiggle and shake and sing. Oh a, yeah, a song. It's like and, the, and where can these be purchased exactly? <laughs> Spencer's. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Yeah, it's the I, it, that they've been out for a couple of years, and I think that they were actually sold as a fraternity fundraiser. Yes, that 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 was yeah. the origins of it. And it's like the oh, I, I I can't remember. It has some deliciously offensive name to it. Yeah. Jiggle me Elmo. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's a good one, man. You should go into marketing. I should totally be a marketing person. Yeah. So I was just, I was, again, I was like excited, appalled, and yet I couldn't look away, you know, when I saw this thing on the website. It was just ridiculous. Well, you know, I'm, re- I'm actually really excited about the guests that are on our show tonight because I think they're really smart thinkers about this kind of stuff, and not only do they critique... Um, the pink nausea, but they have some really good thoughts about what to do about it. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited for the show tonight. Yes, I think there is much to talk about. I was, um, what, Jack, was my, my comment shitstorm, was that this week or last week? That was uh, the middle of last week, I believe. Before the show or after the show? If it was the middle of last week, I'm guessing it was after, after the, the show. show. Yeah, no, I no, to... no, it was, it was before the show because you talked about it on the show last week and said, what did I miss? I, That's I right, it was and, before and the show. It. it was the end of last week, just like I said. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> Jack's right half the time. Yeah, I just, it's so profound when you just allow free public content creation and then you're blamed for it. Or if you question, like, the fact that the pink ribbon is on every product and that it's not a regulated thing. The pink ribbon can be slapped on anything with the defense of, oh, I'm just raising cancer awareness, but people buy those products, and then all the money goes to the, to the manufacturer. And if you question that, people think you're anti-breast cancer research. They think that you're a goddamn socialist. Yes. Yes. Forget anti-breast yes. cancer. You're, you're, <laughs> you're a pinko commie, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yeah. Isn't socialism and communism the opposite ends of the spectrum? I'm not smart enough to partake in this conversation. <laughs> Jack is recusing himself for intellectual deficiencies. Um, you know, I actually heard you talk about this once before, Matthew, and I really believed every word that you said, so I'm taking your word for it. Yeah, I mean, communism is when the government makes all the rules, there is no free market, and uh, there is no corporations, and everything is run and owned. It's almost like a monarchy, but there's a proletariat and there's some sort of democratic order, but it, it controls everything. A socialist uh, government, as far as I'm concerned, allows for free market and uh, enterprise, but everything is hyper-regulated, and, uh, and a lot of the social services are provided by the government, but there is an allowance for you know, uh, corporate existence. Do so, I hear a schoolhouse rock coming on? I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only bill. How about a high school musical? Oh, no. No, no high school musical. Oh, okay. Okay. We just shot Jack down again. Again. All right. Well, let's get to the news so we can get to Courtney, and uh, hopefully we'll end on time tonight. Even though I got to tell you, the compelling conversations are worth running over because it's just so there's a lot rich. to talk about. There's so rich conversations that can be had about this. God bless October. Pink nausea. Woo! All right. Let's go to the news, and uh, here we go. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Alrighty, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce worthy news story. 
to our adoring listeners to inform them about the latest and greatest in free young adult programs, services, events, projects, and other stuff. If you have an upcoming program, event, or press release that you would like to hear broadcast during this segment, please fax it to us at 877-794-6902 or email jackbefard at jack at i2i.com. All right, brother, it's all you. Thank you, Matthew, and here's your stupid cancer news. We have some new items added to the calendar. First one is the Cook Children's Adult Group Annual Retreat being held January 29th through the 31st in 2010. For information about this adult group retreat, we uh, ask you to call Lisa Bashmore at area code 682-885-2125. Gerald Connor Baker, author of Cancer is a Bitch, or I'd Rather Be Having a Midlife Crisis. We'll talk about her personal experience with breast cancer on tomorrow's episode of Boston Public Radio's show, It's Your Health, with host Laura Davis. To find out more about this and other programs, visit itsyourhealthradio.org. Head on over to events.i2y.com. It is the official social calendar of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Upcoming events are as follows. Tomorrow night, we have a stupid cancer happy hour happening in Philadelphia. Thursday the 15th is the Staten Island, New York meetup group. Saturday the 17th is Hockey Fights Cancer in Ohio. Tuesday, October 20th, we have a happy hour happening in North Carolina and a stupid cancer happy hour in San Francisco. Thursday the 22nd, Matthew and I will be headed to Nashville, Tennessee for the I'm Still Beautiful fashion show and I2Y fundraiser. And finally, the New York Metro Meetup Group is hosting their inaugural Halloween Scare-tacular on Halloween, Saturday, October 31st. Events.i2y.com is all you need for uh, the I2Y social calendar. Attention Cleveland OHIO! This Friday morning is the Rise Above a Second Annual Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Symposium. Refer to raibenefit.org for more information. The 12th annual, I'm sorry, the 12th International Thyroid Cancer Survivors Conference is being held in Boston, Massachusetts from October 16th through the 18th. Anyone whose life has been touched by thyroid cancer is encouraged to attend. For more information and to register, go to www.thyca.org. Speaking of Boston, Massachusetts, our friends at Planet Cancer are hosting their 18 to 25-year-old retreat. That is October 23rd through the 25th in Boston, Massachusetts. The retreat is free of charge, open to anyone who has ever had or has cancer, and you only have to participate as much as you'd like to. For more information on this, head on over to planetcancer.org. Next up, we have Steps Into Motion. If you are a young adult cancer survivor who would like to begin an exercise program, then please contact Santina Horowitz at area code 401-793-8124, or you can email Santina at shorowitz at lifespan.org. Come celebrate with other adolescent and young adult cancer childhood... I'm sorry. Come celebrate with other adolescent and young adult childhood cancer survivors in Chicago, Illinois. On Saturday, November 7th, from 5 to 8 p.m., this celebration will include dinner, prizes, and an open forum featuring cancer survivors Johnny Emmerman, he's a good guy, George Paris, he's a good guy, and Matthew Zachary, never heard of him. Age recommendation for this event is 16 and up, and for more information, you can RSVP at area code 708-684-4042. 
Next up, we have Everything Changes, the insider's guide to cancer in your 20s and 30s. This fabulous book has been written by our super cancer co-host, Tara Rosenthal. Everything Changes, that's the sugarcoating off of the young adult cancer experience. For more information on Everything Changes, you can go to everythingchangesbook.com. Next up, we have 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter k.org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet the needs of this underserved population. Our friends at Cancer Care are offering several programs that benefit the young adult cancer community. They are as follows. Living with cancer for those in active treatment. Life after cancer for those post-treatment. Young adult loss of a parent. Young women with breast cancer. Young adult individual grief counseling. And young adult caregivers for all diagnoses and relationships. Contact our friend Julie Larson at jlarson at cancercare.org. And finally, and I'm so embarrassed I have to tell this story in front of our lovely guest here in the studio with us, but we have live-on sperm banking by mail for cancer patients. Don't do what I did, guys. I didn't know that you can't just mail sperm to a sperm bank without a live-on kit. If you are a male and you need to do some sperm banking before you start treatment, head on over to liveonkit.com. Live sperm banking by mail is made possible by our great friends at Fertile Hope, and I would personally like to send a big thank you out to the law firm of Dewey, Scroom and Howe for clearing up my embarrassing situation with the United States Postal Service. And for anybody who has any questions about fertility treatments or what to do, head on over to FertileHope.org. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. Oh, there we go. All righty. What time is it? 9.22. My, uh... My first guest tonight is a breast cancer survivor diagnosed one month after she turned 29 years old. After volunteering her time as the chair of the Young Survival Coalition's Atlanta affiliate, she gave up her career as a television scriptwriter for the daytime drama All My Children to devote herself full-time to helping young women affected by this disease. She now serves as the executive director of the Atlanta office of the Young Survival Coalition, responsible for all day-to-day operations of the affiliate. Please welcome the fabulous, one-of-a-kind, Courtney Bugler. Hello. Courtney. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome to the party. Thanks, dudes. Hi, Courtney. Hi, how are you guys doing tonight? Would you remind my brain? Were you in? Um, were you at the Livestrong Summit in '08? <laughs> no, I was. Yes, you were. I you knew were? it. I knew it. I knew you met her. Where? I did. Yes. I, yes. I, I, I was fresh. It. I was a month out of treatment uh, that week, and I have chemo brain. I remember meeting Matt though. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because I took you with me. Oh yeah. Okay. Hard right. to forget. I wasn't crazy. I knew you were there. I knew you met Jack. Okay. I can now go out. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so how's life? How you been? Um, I'm exhausted, uh, but, you know, it's October, and um, it's Breast Cancer Christmas, so um, being exhausted is kind of part of the gig. And does that include being a mom, or is that completely separate? 
you know, that probably does not does not help. Uh, yes, I have a five month old. I have a five month old son at home, and uh, so if I am not working, I am trying to put a child to sleep, or you know, we're we're exploring peas. That's really exciting. Exploring peas, uh, I love it. Yes, yes, and uh, so yeah, you know, I figure I'll I'll sleep in November. It's fine. All right, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I actually, you know what? I've known you for God knows how long, and I had no idea that you wrote for all my children. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was in my past life. Okay. I don't believe in I don't believe in a straight career path. I like to kind of meander a little bit. Okay, very much. All right, I I forgive you. You are completely cool. forgiven. Didn't <laughs> Didn't all my children just go off the air for like after like eighty years? No, that was guiding no, light. That guiding was, light. That was guiding, Come on, man. guiding Pay light. Went off the air. I'm sorry, guiding my... light went off the air after eighty years or something. Like yeah, that, yeah. that, that was did. my soap. And, and you didn't know? know? <laughs> well, it's not my soap now, but it was my soap when I was like, you know, in middle school. I'd run it was home on the radio? middle school every day. <laughs> Carol, you're making twenty nine look bad now. And that yeah, and that talent like right there is probably part of the reason why it's not on the air anymore. Right. Yeah, I was um, more of a duel when I was growing up. So oh, sure. I, I want to know, I want to know what are the similarities between the young adult cancer world and the soap opera world? Nice, good question. Oh, I can give you a few pointers on that one. I'm I know you can. Well, I, I want to hear the expert. Yeah, go ahead, screenwriter. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, are you are you talking about the on-air drama or the off-air drama? Oh, I mean, because that's a that's a whole different element right there. I would actually say that I um, I find that uh, my breast cancer experience actually more uh, mimics when I used to work on cruise ships um, instead of when I used to write. Remember when I said I'm not I don't take the cyclical path there. Um, so you know I used to I was a cruise director, and so oftentimes Julie McCoy, when I have, you were Julie McCoy. I, I was Julie McCoy. Um, I uh, I could I could DJ a mean bar mitzvah if I wanted to. And um, I find that when I'm, you know, hosting events and, and when I'm playing breast cancer jeopardy at trainings, it is, it's, it's like calling bingo all over again. Excellent. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued by this bar, uh, DJing bar mitzvahs, though. Well, no, I mean, I used to, when I, was, I worked on cruise ships, I used to, um, I used to DJ. Yeah, I was waiting for it. Um, so, you know, I mean, I used to spend night after night of, you know, I I used to DJ for, you know, we I used to listen to YMCA like three times a night for four years. Wow. Well, you know, so you, it's like going so to the kind of to it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so much. surprise us. Did, did, did you, like, invent, like, plutonium or something when you were nine years old? What what else could make this more an enriching biography? Um, at one point in time, I sold cars for a living, to people with bad credit. Wow. <laughs> wow. So if you would if you did would like to buy work? a car <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh they did. If you would if you would like to buy a car for like twenty six percent interest, I could totally sell it to you. Wow. And I would I tell you that. why it was a good idea. Wow. <laughs> Man, this is the when best breast cancer conversation we've ever had on the show. And then, and then after selling cars, she would sell refrigerators to Eskimos. Right, exactly. Sure. But, you know, I find um, sometimes, you know, uh, you need all of these skills. You you put all these skills in your back pocket, and you never know when, when they're going to come in handy. Um, 
You know, so, for example, when we go and buy cars now, you know, I send my husband in to negotiate kind of like the car salesman. So I'm like, I'm like the man behind the curtain like they do, you know, on the other side. And uh, these are lifelong skills I'm going to have forever. Wow. And That's, how does that you, help you deflect the pink nausea? <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think in some respects it, it makes you uh, recognize a good deal when you see one. <laughs> Fair and, enough. So I mean, and there's and there's you know in the sea of pink, there are there are some deals that are better than others. So um, obviously, you know, Marsha and Jenna are like good friends of mine, and I see them all the time. We work on OMG together, sure. and 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 I've known you forever. YSC is a great partner to what we're doing, and, and vice versa. Um, is, is there? I guess this is an odd question. Ask: Is there any difference? in the regions of YSC in terms of understanding and tolerance and access and awareness of breast cancers or like because Oh yeah, there there definitely is. I mean, I um I'm often sort of I mean, I have I'm in Atlanta. I'm originally from Chicago. And um I've now been in Atlanta long enough to realize that, you know, stuff is different in the south sometimes. Um and so I have to take my Yankee hat off and um and I think that there are times when I think in terms of diversity, different parts of the country are different in terms of uh, not only its socioeconomic and its racial makeup, but, you know, education levels, um, what they're comfortable with. You know, there are, there are parts of the country, it's kind of like, you know, kind of to harken back to even my further, further past, but it's like, you know, if you go to college campuses, you know, one sorority may be, Full of one sort of quote unquote type of person in in one college, but somewhere else it might be a different, a completely different feeling. And so, if you go to YSC around the country, for example, and we have 30 different affiliates, and I'm sure with I2Y you feel that too. Depending on who your leaders are, depending on um, you know what your community is involved in, you're going to get a little bit of different feel. And so, um, I think that it's it's important when you're looking at you know, national organizations with that sort of local presence that, you know, what might speak to you um, personally may not work in another part of the country or it may not, um, it just may not fly. Um, you know, there's probably stuff that, you know, we don't do down here in the Deep South that would probably not fly in New York. Um, and, but that's a part of the culture of the area and it's a part of the culture of what people are used to. Does it involve pigs on a spit and burning crosses? No, it doesn't, but it does involve, I had to take a long time to get used to the fact that here, I mean, here in Atlanta, you know, uh, it is a regular occurrence to hold all sorts of community events in churches. Really? Uh, yeah, I never would have done that back in Chicago, but people, churches and synagogues, um, you know, uh, have all different kinds of organizations, and so, and that's just kind of part of the culture. Uh, I would ask you then, have you been able to, because this is a very sensitive question. Obviously, moving from Chicago to Atlanta is a big, big cultural shift. How have you been able to cope emotionally with the lack of Pepsi? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm actually perfectly okay because if I have, if I were to have any vice, it's 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 not booze, it's not it's not pills. It it actually is Coke, as okay. in Coca Cola. Coca Cola, so right? I'm, yeah, Coca Cola. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, I am perfectly happy in a land without Pepsi. No All right. Well, I, you obviously made the right decision. My final question for you is, um, 
obviously, do you agree with the statement that there is a huge generational divide with the tolerance of pink as the moniker of breast cancer awareness, given the huge disparities between cancer under 40 and cancer over 40? Oh, man, that's like that's like not a single answer. I think it depends. I mean, I think for if you were to go on the YSE boards, for example, we, we discuss this a lot right now, and you'll see a lot of people who hate pink. And, but I will tell you, for every person under 40 who hates pink, there's somebody who really loves it and, it, and is glad that it's, you know, it's being, um, some money is being put to, to whatever good use or really enjoys that, like, pink ribbon bracelet that someone gave them. Um, so it's a tough call. And, again, I think, I think some of that is cultural. I think some of that is um, what you're exposed to. I also think that uh, sometimes your own cancer experience might shape the way that you see your post-cancer experience. Um, so I don't, think it's, I don't think it's black and white or, you know, pink and green. Um, I think it's, it depends on the person. I, now, granted, are, on the whole, are maybe we not quite as uh, comfortable in, in sort of the petal pink ribbons and, um, you know, perhaps pink KitchenAid mixers? Maybe not. Um, I myself wishes, wishes that more pink things were, you know, hot pink or fuchsia at least. The petal pink. I don't need another pink T-shirt, um, you know. And so I think that that's it. It all depends. Although I will say, as YSC, we're actually doing a charity bike event this uh, this weekend in Atlanta, and we are not giving out pink T-shirts. So well, maybe I do have maybe I do have a bias, and I just don't realize it. Well, kudos to you, and and thank you as always for being there for us. Um, I do look forward to one day coming to Atlanta. I haven't been there since 1997. And uh, maybe we could put something fabulous together. I think that would be fabulous. All right. Well, you're getting the special exit music here only because, you know, you deserve it. Nice. Nice. You know, normally we do this to close out the show, but you, you're cruise director Julie now for all time. Thank you. Thank you. You know, once, once you play a good game of shuffleboard, you can't go back. All right. I agree. Courtney Bugler, everybody. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Courtney. All righty. My next guest is the program manager for Breast Cancer Action. Her work with BCA is fueled by her passion for social and environmental justice, and a desire to tell the truth about the cancer epidemic here in the United States. Kasha Ho directs BCA's signature campaign, one of my favorites in the country, Think Before You Pink. She joins us from Oakland, California. Please welcome the lovely Kasha Ho. Hello, Kasha. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys? Good. Can you have a way of, of speaking up a little bit? Your volume's a little low on your end. Sure. How's that? Much better. How you doing? Better. I'm doing well. How's everyone over there? Good. My my first question to you is, do you miss me? <laughs> it's been a few days. I know. I know. Congratulations. <laughs> She's gone almost a week without me. That's pretty impressive. My question is, do you miss the Bay Area? 
I do miss the Bay Area. It, it happens to be one of the few places in the country I can tolerate as a New Yorker who doesn't like anything. <laughs> that speaks pretty highly of it, then. Yes, it absolutely does. And and the company that I keep there makes it even that much more worthwhile. Yeah, I find there's great people here in the Bay Area. Well, I know that Carol's been chomping at the bit, as she is always, to tackle these phenomenally fabulous issues we have here. Um, I don't need to say any more about BCA. You're one of my favorite organizations in the whole country. But uh, I'll turn it over to Carol, because um, I think we're going to have a really great conversation right now. Excellent. Hi, Carol. Hi, Kasha. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a while. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. I'm so glad to have you guys on the show. I, too, am just the biggest fan of Breast Cancer Action. I think the work that you do is amazing, and I'm particularly excited about the milking cancer campaign that you guys have going on now, and I'd love to focus our conversation around that. And I know that it focuses on something called RGBH, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what RGBH is. Absolutely. I'll start by saying it's actually R-B-G-H. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's a a difficult acronym, but it stands for recombinant bovine growth hormone. It's that genetically engineered artificial growth hormone that they've um, produced in the last decade or so. Uh, They inject it into cows. It basically artificially makes dairy cows produce more milk. Um, The problem with it is it's also been linked to increasing our risks of breast cancer and other forms of cancer as well. It does a lot of other nasty stuff. It it gives the cow's udders infections that then makes pus in your milk, which no one likes. Um, And then they have to treat the cows with antibiotics, which ups our antibiotic resistance as well, but that's not what our focus is. Our focus on the Think Before You Pink campaign is, uh, is obviously the increased risk of breast cancer. Um, and the campaign itself, I'll just give you a little bit of history for listeners who aren't familiar with the Think Before You Pink campaign. Um, Breast Cancer Action started it back in 2002, basically as a critical lens to a lot of these pink ribbon promotions that we've been talking about on the show today. You know, every year we see more and more products uh, coming out with the pink ribbon on them. And as, as someone said earlier, because the pink ribbon isn't regulated at all, you don't know where that money is going or what people are doing with it. Um, if there are special hoops you have to jump through, like just buying the product itself doesn't actually donate any money, you have to go online and register or something like that. So um, we came up with these critical questions to ask. If you see a pink ribbon product, you're thinking about buying it, it's important to ask how much of your purchase actually goes toward breast cancer. Um, what If there's a, a cap, like once they reach X amount of dollars, then all the rest of the profits go straight to the company. Um, where is that money actually going, what organizations uh, do they support and what are they doing with that money. And then the most important question, I think, and what we've been focusing on in the last couple of years is, is that product itself bad for your health? So um, we've coined the term pink washers. A lot of people have heard the term green washers. We're saying that companies who purport to care about breast cancer by making a pink ribbon product Um, But then actually that product itself is bad for your health and may increase your risk of developing the disease. We think that's really hypocritical. And so um, in the last couple of years, BCA's Think Before You Pink campaign is focused on pink washer companies. Um, So leading up to this year, last year, we targeted on on YoPlay yogurt. You know, they make that Save Lids to Save Lives um, campaign. Yeah, your campaign was so successful last year. Exactly, exactly. It was a huge victory. So YoPlay um, Yogurt made the the 
pink ribbon yogurt that also uh, was made with this RBGH, the artificial hormone linked to breast cancer. And so we said, you know what, that's, that's pretty gross that you're increasing our risk of breast cancer and selling these products and then, and then donating some of your proceeds back to, to breast cancer. It just doesn't make any sense. And they told us for a long time, oh, there's no way to tell which dairy has it in it and which doesn't. There's just no way for us to do that. But they heard from so many activists, so many consumers saying, hey, I don't want this in my dairy. I don't want this in my yogurt, that they announced in February of this year that they were going to take it out. Um, and so YoPlay did it, and then a couple of weeks later, Danon followed suit and said, well, you know what, if YoPlay can do it, we can do it too. And those two companies represent about two-thirds of the U.S. dairy market. So that was a huge victory for breast cancer activists and obviously for anyone that wants to eat yogurt. Um, and this year, we're taking the campaign a step further. So now that we've got that kind of two-thirds of the dairy market free of this dangerous hormone, we're actually going to target the source. There's only one company in the whole world that makes this artificial growth hormone. And up until last year, it was a company uh, named Monsanto. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Oh, good old Monsanto. Yeah. Oh, yes. Exactly. So they have a terrible track record, obviously not a, not a great track record. But uh, Monsanto even didn't want to sell it anymore. And last fall, they sold it to a major pharmaceutical company named Eli Lilly. Also has a terrible track record for many reasons. Uh, but Eli Lilly took over uh, exclusive rights to this artificial hormone last year, and um, so they're the ones making it. They also, ironically, make breast cancer drugs, and they make a pill that they say will prevent you from getting breast cancer. So our, our campaign, as Carol said, this year is called Eli Lilly is Milking Cancer. They've got the full, complete, nasty profit cycle there. They're treating our breast cancer. They're supposedly preventing it, and then they're putting it out there into the world as well. And so our campaign this year is focused on Eli Lilly, telling them, you know what, that's hypocritical and really disgusting. It's great for your corporate profits, but bad for everyone's health, and you need to just stop making it. Yeah, so I was going to ask, do you have any idea how much profit is made per year off of our BGH? I mean, it sounds... We do, yeah. And, and, you know, they're making a ton of money off of their other drugs. <laughs> they're, they're rolling in the dough because they're a pharmaceutical company and they're making all kinds of money. And, and even when they're slapped with lawsuits for things that they've been caught doing wrong, it doesn't really even phase them because they're able to kind of shell out this money and, and move on. And so we're saying, you know what, the U.S., market is turning away from it. People really don't want it anymore. Um, you're making profits in other things, and basically, like, you can cut this out and still be fine. You didn't have it up until last year, and you could let it go again, and the world would be a better place for it. So what kind of actions are you putting out there for consumers to participate in and to stand up and, and make a difference on this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we just redesigned our website, which is, um, if listeners are online, which I assume they are, uh, is thinkbeforeyoupink.org. Um, you can also get there from milkingcancer.org, if you remember that better. But um, they'll both take you to the same place. And on that website, we've got it set up for you that you can tell Eli Lilly yourself what you think about their profit cycle. Um, we've got an email set up to the CEOs and high management of um, Eli Lilly and their animal drug division, which is called Elanco, that actually produces the artificial hormones. You can send them an email right there. We've had over 2,000 people already send emails in the last couple of weeks. 
Um, you can also watch a short video and share it with your friends on Facebook, on Twitter, on blogs if you've got them. Help spread the word. I think a lot of what we're asking people to do right now is just spread the word about RBGH and the problems with it and, um, and get people to understand how Eli Lilly is making money on all angles of the breast cancer issue. And I think while you're there, I think before you pink, I, I, it's a great resource. Um, we're obviously focused on Eli Lilly. Uh, this year, but we also have those questions that I referenced earlier. If you're thinking about a pink product, we have a lot of information about, for instance, what the history of the pink ribbon is, where it came from, which is a great story. Um, and we just redesigned the website, so I'm pretty proud of it if people want to check it out and just kind of tool around in there. So I'm curious about the kind of response you've been getting from other cancer organizations because Eli Lilly. Um, provides a lot of grant money and a lot of grant support for educational programs um, that a, a lot of uh, other nonprofit organizations rely on this grant money. Has it been hard getting other cancer organizations on board? Is there any risk of people feeling like, oh, we might lose our Eli Lilly funding? Or is there any of that kind of conversation in response to this campaign? That's a really astute question, Carol. Um, you know what, we at Breast Cancer Action, since we're the only national breast cancer organization that explicitly doesn't accept money from pharmaceutical companies, as you said, a lot of the other breast cancer organizations do get grant money and various kinds of money um, from pharmaceutical companies and therefore may or may not feel beholden to them. So we really felt like because we're the only national breast cancer organization that says we're not going to take money from anybody that profits from cancer, um, that it's kind of our place to really step in there and say we're going we're gonna to raise this issue. And we have had um, other breast cancer organizations join us. Um, we haven't yet anyway had anyone come down and say, I wish you weren't doing this. Mm -hmm. um, so I think so far we really feel like it's, it's our job to, to raise the issue and to kind of you know, we, we're kind of known as the bad girls of breast cancer, so <laughs> we aren't always making friends, but we're always doing what we think is important. So, And your work is so important. Um, it's really, really great that you're doing this. You mentioned that Eli Lilly is marketing a medication that they claim prevents breast cancer. Tell me more about that. I'm not familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, it's called Avista, and um, the drug is raloxifene. And, and um, I, I believe they were either slapped on the wrist by the FDA or something a few years ago because they were sort of overstating its uh, its potency and effects. And um, and so now the the writing on the box says that it it reduces your risk of developing the disease rather than it actually prevents it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's the drug. It's called Avista. And, um, and we're pretty skeptical of things like that. We think that anything, uh, any medication that's strong enough basically to supposedly prevent you from getting breast cancer is likely to make you sick in other ways. So talk a little bit about, I mean, I'm sure people who are listening to this are kind of like, oh, my God, RBGH. Some people might not have known what this is and might be surprised to find that it's in a lot of dairy products that they buy. If somebody, I mean, I, think, I would think another great way to support the campaign is maybe by boycotting um, dairy products that have this in it. How do people go about finding out what dairy products you can purchase and consume that don't have RBGH in them? Yeah, you know, and this has been a major problem here in the U.S. It, it is already banned um, in all of the European Union, in Canada, and Japan, and Australia, and most of the Western and industrialized nations in the world. They don't, they don't make this stuff. They don't accept um, 
products with RBGH in it. But here in the U.S., because we have such strong industry influence um, at the FDA and um, with lobbyists, we not only haven't banned it, but we also have prevented people from even labeling their products saying that they're RBGH-free. Um, there's, on a state-by-state -state basis, there's a lot of labeling battles going on with um, major agribusiness saying we really don't even want consumers to know whether their dairy has RBGH in it or not. Um, what you do know as a consumer is if you're buying organic, that means it definitely doesn't have artificial growth hormones in it, so that's good. Um, unfortunately, not everyone has access to or has money to buy organic if it costs more. Um, so there are RBGH-free guides. A lot of the partners that we're working with on this campaign have been working against RBGH for years and years. And so um, on the uh, thinkbeforeyoupink.org website, if you go under um, the campaign uh, Eli Lilly and RBGH, it'll give you some resource guides to make sure um, that you know either um, by geographical, what state you're in, what, kind, what dairies have it and which don't, um, or even by product. You can look it up that way as well. Well, thanks so much for your information. I know that Matthew has a, a closing question that he wants to, to ask, and sure. um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys. Keep up the good work. Well, I, I have a bit of a statement and then a, then a question. It, even if the Yoplait didn't have the RBGH in it, the, the abuse of consumer goodwill in and of itself was was just absolutely horrible in the sense that here they are going to donate like a penny to breast cancer, but you had to it's spend a dime actually dime. You had to, <laughs> all right, you're going to give a dime to breast cancer to God knows who and God knows what, but you had to spend forty four cents to mail that lid in to them. Yep. Correct? Yep, exactly. And and we kind of did the math on this. Um, <clears throat> they run that save lids to save lives campaign for four months out of the year, and we said, okay, well, let's say you're going to eat three containers of Yoplait a day, because who can imagine eating more than that, um, for all four months that the campaign runs, and you save every single lid, and you mail it back to the company. At the end of that, you're making a donation of $36. So we say, you know, if you're really interested in taking out your pocketbook and donating to the breast cancer cause that way, you're just as well writing a direct check to an organization or to a researcher. Exactly, and we get that all the time. It's like, like don't buy the pink blender or the pink, you know, juggling booby thing in the sorority house. You want to just don't. write your check to the, to the research person. Well, I guess my, my, my closing question to you is, and clearly we could have this conversation for hours and hours and hours, is, you know, I don't foresee there being any lack of fodder for you guys to tackle in the future, but are you allowed to disclose other things that you have on the horizon? Like, assuming Lily, you know, may occult us and change their mind and gives us all lots of money, which is never going to happen, <laughs> I assume you guys have things in the pipeline. Well, we're actually expecting um, this campaign with Eli Lilly not to be as easy as the one with General Mills and YoPlay Yogurt um, because Eli Lilly has kind of been a nasty corporate player for years. They also um, were the manufacturers of DES, um, something that our staff holds near and dear to our hearts. Um, we're not expecting them to roll over easily, and so we're uh, we're gearing up for the long haul in terms of um, making sure that RBGH gets out of the market um, entirely and in the world. Um, so that's kind of what we've got in the pipeline for now. 
Well, I'm always honored to have uh, B- BCA on our show. It's a pleasure to have you here for the first time. You will be a returning champion, I guarantee. Thanks. Bring it back next week. Yeah, you're coming back next week. <laughs> how, many, how many Mondays are left in October? Right. But uh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure yeah. to meet you last week. Pleasure to have you on the show. Fabulous. My All right. pleasure. All right. Kasha, everybody, from Breast Cancer Action. The chat room loved her, man. Yeah, she's a rock star. Absolute rock star. All right, here we go. Dr. Deborah Davis has a bio a mile long, every word of it critically necessary to only partially encapsulate her fantasticness. The thing is how we only have 20 or 30 seconds to introduce her. I'll do my best. Director of the world's first Center for Environmental Oncology at the University of Pittsburgh, Cancer Institute Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Public Health, a recent book, The Secret History of the War on Cancer, top picked by Newsweek, founder of the Environmental Health Trust, educating individuals about controllable environmental health risks and policy changes needed to reduce those risks, the rock star taking on the infrastructure and the man. Please welcome back to the show for the fourth time, Dr. Deborah Davis. Hello, Deborah. Hello, Matt. How are you? Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back on the show. It's really a pleasure, and I have to say, uh, BCA is a fabulous group. They're doing an important job. And I could not think of, Carolina, I could not think of a better compliment to having him on the show than to having you on the show, because you have been the champion of all things uh, against the man for quite a long time. I'd like to say we're, we're for the woman and the man who well, cares yes. about the <laughs> Because what we really want to do is let people understand that there are things you can do every day, that cancer is not a death sentence, as you know very well, Matt, and that there are things you can do to control your environment, to control the chances that you will get cancer or that it will recur. And that's what we're working on now at environmentalhealthtrust.org. I started the Center for Environmental Oncology, and I've moved on from that now to spend more time doing what you're doing because I want to be like you. Is that really an enviable thing to, <laughs> to look forward to? Well, I think, I think being able to reach people in a constructive manner, giving people information so that they can how, know how to proceed, telling people things they can do to make their lives better, it's very, very important because, as you know very well and we've discussed many times, only one in ten cases of cancer occurs in someone who inherited a risk of the disease from their mother or father. And what that really is telling us is something very important. It means that most cancer comes about because of things that happen to you after you're born and is not a result of the genes that you've inherited. I love when you come on and you scare the crap out of us. It's just good stuff. Well, I don't want to scare <laughs> you because the other thing, I, I think the other thing you need to know about yogurt you were just talking about yeah. is that there are a number of studies around the world that show that the active ingredients in yogurt, the lactobacillus, are actually very potent anti-cancer agents. There's experimental work going on now in, in the Scandinavian countries. There's some work that was started at the Center for Environmental Oncology with my colleague Talal El-Hefnawi. And we've shown in the laboratory that uh, the ingredients found in yogurt can be very potent as anti-cancer ingredients. And that may be why that we all hear the stories of the old people who eat yogurt and live you know, forever. There may really be something biological to it. So I don't want to scare you. I want to inform you so that you have more information and can go forward doing the right things. 
No, but I say scare with love. I mean, it's almost like we could we could make a joke now that if the lactobacillus is so good for you and the BGH is so bad for you, maybe it just all negated itself out and it wasn't so bad to begin with. <laughs> it's like having pasta well, and any pasta in the same right. setting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important to laugh. I mean, as you know very well, cancer does grow on you. Yes, it does. Well, I got a... <laughs> That's so, Deborah, I hate to be such a downer. I, I, I always interrupt with these, you know, real questions. <laughs> I oh, have man. a question for you. I'm going home. Good night, guys. <laughs> no, well, you're allowed. You know, especially in the month of October with all of these pink campaigns, we hear the word cure so much, and we don't so much hear the word prevention. And I know that you've done so much work regarding prevention. I'm wondering if in the little time we have left, you can talk a bit about what are realistic cancer prevention tasks, things that we can do. It's so hard because, you know, you, you're like standing in the checkout line all the time and like 10 magazines are like, you can prevent cancer now. And it's really hard to know what to do. And, and especially as someone who's ha- who has cancer, it, it's like, it's overwhelming. So, but, but is the word prevention or risk reduction? That's the only thing I'll add. I mean, as, as usual, you've got that's a very important question both of you are, are, are raising. Um, in fact, it is risk reduction because we don't know for sure that we can prevent cancer. But the good news is you can reduce your risk, and even if you have the disease, you have a, a chance of doing better. And you know the basics in terms of avoiding animal fat, and now the information on exercise is getting stronger and stronger even during chemo, exercise promotes well-being and seems to really improve response to chemotherapy. But the other environmental factors that I'm very concerned about is, first of all, look under your kitchen sink. Open up your medicine chest. Look at the things that you put onto your body every day. Understand that the skin is the body's largest organ. As Breast Cancer Action and the Breast Cancer Fund have pointed out with the Safe Cosmetics campaign, we don't have safety information on many of the ingredients that are regularly used in our shampoos and our babies' bubble baths. And while the Europeans have moved to ban a suspect carcinogens in bubble baths and shampoos, our babies' bottoms are exposed to those things because we have not taken that action in the United States today. Now, I know that the new FDA is looking very differently at this issue, but in fact, the FDA doesn't have authority to regulate many of these things, and that's why it's very important for consumers to get more information. Is there a chance of that ever changing? That that, that the FDA would get authority to regulate these? Is that is oh, that... you betcha there is. Of course there is, but it's going to take an informed public that understands enough that says, "Wait a minute, you mean to tell me that you can only go after a product after it's been shown to cause a hazard, and you don't even require evidence to know whether or not it does cause cancer before it's marketed?" That's the current situation, and that's got to change. And it's changing in Europe. So the question has to be, what do they know in Europe? What do they know in Japan that we don't know? I'm guessing a lot. Yeah. I'm guessing I think a whole so, host of shit, too. Good stuff. Well, we it, 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 the bottom line really is a philosophical one because, you know, you could regulate yourself to death, too. Um, the bottom line is, what should be the burden of proof? Should manufacturers have to show that something is safer before introducing it into our bodies and into the environment? And when it comes to personal care products and cleaning products, which, after all, we soak all over our, our, our bodies, whether we want to or not. You try cleaning a house, as I've been doing recently, as we finally moved after 30 years, and there's no way you can avoid direct contact with many of these things. And they ought to be made safer 
and there are ways to do it. That's what the green chemistry revolution is all about. That's what Arlene Bloom and the green uh, chemistry science program that she's developing at Berkeley are doing, telling people that there are practical things you can do and building safer chemicals uh, like they're doing at Carnegie Mellon University and, and other places. I got a quick question here. Um, is there uh, a, a genuineness to the major chemical companies like Dow and Corning and S.C. Johnson? They're producing sort of uh, mirrored versions of their existing toxic products with purportedly you know, green versions of these products. Uh, is, is that legitimate? Like I know the, there's Greenworks uh, instead of Windex now. and are, are they actually complying with this? Are they building competitive market, or is it all just a scam anyway? Oh, no, no, no. Listen, there's nothing wrong with American capitalism when it's really working. Prof companies are entitled to make profits. I think that what Greenworks is telling us is that the market is working. These companies understood that they had to respond to consumer demands, that people were getting hip to the idea that they didn't want to put poisons into their homes and onto their bodies. Let me tell you a funny story. When uh, recently Clorox, which, by the way, owns Greenworks, uh, bought Burt's Bees. Yes, Burt's really? Bees. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when they had the conference to announce the uh, partnership, uh, the Burt's Bees guys were sitting there all smiles. They, they got, I think, $900 million for the sale. And they said, we can eat every one of our products. <clears throat> can you, Clorox? And the Clorox people were kind of squirming a bit. But the reality is uh, those Greenworks products, as far as I can tell, and I've looked at them, look pretty good. And I think it's a testimony to the market because they actually don't cost any more than other products. And I can tell you because I'm using them now that many of them work quite well. So are we seeing the end of Windex.com? Well, no. I, I bet you there's going to be – Windex is going to go green. Uh, but frankly, my own favorite recipe, and you can get more information from this on our website at environmentalhealthtrust.org. A friend of mine said, you know what you once told me? Vinegar, vinegar, vinegar. Of course, I didn't remember saying that, but the reality is vinegar and water can clean many, many things, and baking soda can be used in place of cleanser in many instances, and toothpaste can be used to clean silver, and you start to, to, to proceed in this way, and you get um, a lot safer ways of, of handling chemicals, uh, and you use a lot fewer of them. Yeah, you know, I have to say for a while I just kept hearing vinegar and baking soda, vinegar and baking soda, and I just thought, okay, is that really going to clean my house? But I've been seriously <laughs> committed for the last six months to giving this oh. a try, and nothing cleans my hardwood floors better than vinegar and water. Nothing. I mean, it's better. It's not just, eh, is it an okay iffy substitute? It's better. I, I, no, it, I, I know that as well. And Annie Appleseed has been working on this for a long, long time. There's a lot of people who've been out there in the wilderness and suddenly are looking like the prophets that they, they were. They just were ahead of time. My own favorite for furniture polish, by the way, is to take that out-of-date olive oil and add a little bit of lemon juice to it, shake it up, and it works quite fine. Now, you have to make sure you get the right consistency. You don't want it to be too sticky. And you have to learn in life to tolerate a little bit of dirt and dust anyhow, but the reality is there are many things that we do every day to clean our homes, to take care of ourselves, that we can do more safely. And I think that's what the big market is responding to. And I think that's why YoPlay and Dannon got rid of the bovine growth hormone, because the market was sending them a very powerful message. People did not want to run the risk, that we can't know for sure whether there was a risk, but they didn't want to run it. And I think that's the message that consumers are increasingly sending 
when it comes to these sorts of issues. And I'm, by the way, looking forward to working. Next time you'll have me back, I can tell you a little bit about my new book and what I'm working on with cell phones. Jack has a quick question. Um, how much do like economics come into this? Because you know, like the seventh generation products and the all natural products tend to be more expensive. So, you know, other than the advice that you just gave about you know the the extra uses of vinegar and and whatnot, like how how like how easy is it for people who who don't have the disposable income to buy the better products to, you know, be safer and and not buy like the eighty the eighty cents uh, you know bottle of Clorox or whatever. Well, you know, that's a very good question. First of all, I think the point that, uh, that the, the two women here are making is you don't need to buy uh, some of the more dangerous stuff. Vinegar, in, uh, distilled vinegar, all white vinegar is one of the cheapest things you can possibly buy. And yes, you're right, there was a price differential, particularly in the beginning for seventh generation and Ecover and some of those greener products. And there still is. There are still some very high-end green products you can spend your money on. But the reality is the prices are coming down. And I think that it's, a good, it's worthwhile to become informed to know what things to buy. But let's talk, that's one set of things you can do. But another set of things you can do, and it's really important for people to know this, is to know what's in your attic and how it is insulated. There are 35 million American homes today that are insulated with asbestos, and the people who have that insulation in their homes do not know it's there because it's called Zonalite. That was the commercial name, Z, with Zonalite and it can be contaminated with tremolite, a form of asbestos, which we now know can cause very serious disease. And people need to find out if it's in their attic, and if it is, they should leave it alone. And if they need to go into the attic for any renovation, they have to call a licensed professional to deal with it. And that's a very serious problem that we need to get information out on. And this EPA, the new one, is going to deal with this problem Christy Todd Whitman tried to deal with this problem under the Bush administration, and OMB wouldn't let her. But people have a right to know whether or not their homes contain asbestos, and they, know, they should know to leave it alone and call for professionals to decide what to do with it. Wow. Wow, that's actually great that things are actually changing. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah, You're the right guy, apparently. Well, we hope so, and we hope he lives up to the Nobel Peace Prize, although I think that was a kind of an unusual choice. Yeah, that definitely something that caught us off guard. I, I think there's, we're all remaining hopeful. This is a very difficult world we live in now, and it's clear that we need change, and I, think, and I hope we are getting it in the right direction. For my part, I am excited by the people who are running EPA, and OSHA right now, the nomination of David Michaels to be Assistant Secretary of OSHA is a brilliant appointment. The appointment of someone like Lisa Heinzerling at EPA to run the policy office is really fantastic. And you're bringing in people who are very talented and very committed, and I think we're going to see some important changes. The FDA commissioner, uh, Peggy Hamburg, is a gifted and talented person. So is the deputy, her deputy, uh, Josh. And I think that these people are going to be changing the world in a very important way. And I'm, frankly, having conversations with some of them and looking forward to working with all of them. Wow. And we want them on the show. We'd love to have them on the show. Well, I think you probably could. Yep. Well, I know you said you were pressed for time. Do you have time for one more question? Carol, you have something to, something to ask? 
Well, you know, I would I would love to close by hearing your retort to something that I just saw in the chat room a couple of moments ago. And somebody said, you know, honestly, I think that cancer is inevitable. And I'm wondering what your response to that is. Well, the reason we know cancer is not inevitable is because men in Japan have five times less prostate cancer at the same age as men in the United States. And women in Japan have five times less brain cancer than women in the United States. And there's not a genetic factor that's involved here. It's the environment as it's affecting and interacting with our genes. And the proof of that comes from very important studies that have been done on identical twins. They start out with the same genes, and their chromosomes look identical according to studies that have been done. And yet, by the time they are 50 years of age, you look at those same chromosomes that are identical at birth, and they don't even look like they're related to one another. So that's telling us something very important. Genes give us the guns, but the environment pulls the trigger. And cancer is not inevitable. There's no question about that. We know that from studying differences in patterns in different countries, and we know it from studying twins. Well, what a fantastic wrap-up. Yes. Genes give us the gun, but the environment pulls the trigger. Love it. Yes. I thank you so much, and I want to thank you for all that you're doing, Carol, and Matt. I really appreciate it very much. And I hope you're, you'll be able to link to our new website, environmentalhealthtrust.org, where you can upload, if you are bored some night, all of day-and-a-half meeting that we held on cell phones and your health and the U.S. Senate hearing that was covered on C-SPAN by Arlen Specter on cell phones and health. All good stuff. We, we love you having so you on much. the show. I'm, I'm your, yeah. your, your biggest fan, Deborah. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks for coming on. Deborah Davis. Founder of the Environmental Health Trust, environmentalhealthtrust.org. Guys, what a great show. Yeah. She's always an awesome, awesome interview. She, she is. She provides us with so much information, and it's so, it's so important. I mean, and she's a doc. I mean, yeah, don't, don't take this the wrong. She's a doctor. You know, she, mm-hmm. she, she's in science. You know, she believes in facts and studying and the scientific method, and she's, and she's brilliant. What a great, what a great show. Yeah. Carol, are you still with us? I'm here. <laughs> the chat room was kind of blown away by uh, some of the information she was giving us. So. Yeah, I mean, just the idea of, you know, we live in a world where, you know, like um, hawking products to help a disease which actually can cause the disease that it's trying to help is a bit of a mind fuck, don't yeah, you think? Totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it drives me crazy, these, uh, you know, like the pink lid thing and, and the sugar packet that you and I were discussing earlier today where there's a sugar packet, you use it, you send in the wrapper or whatever, so you're going to spend 44 cents to mail your sugar packet to a company and they're going to donate a penny. So it costs you 44 cents to generate a penny donation. Yeah. Is it one of those sugar packets that says on the back this has shown, been shown to cause cancer in lab rats? Yeah, right. Probably. <laughs> It's ridiculous, though. And, yeah. like, you know, and, Matt, you brought up the pink blender, like yeah. that whole KitchenAid Cook for the Cure campaign. Scam. If you look at the very, very tiny, small print that's, like, in between the barcodes on the back of the, of the packaging, it says that you have to go to cookforacure.com and register your purchase in order to generate a donation. And I just wonder how many pink spatulas go unregistered by, well, by, by well-intended consumers that say, oh, I'm going to buy the pink spatula as opposed to the black one from another brand because I'm helping and all they're doing is helping to increase KitchenAid's revenue. 
Yep. Well, look, and the bottom line is that if you want to give money, give money to an organization. And there was a, another a comment on the on the chat room said, you know, how do you decide what organization to give to? Well, if it isn't obvious that you shouldn't give to, you know, breast cancer I action, or I'm why. too young for this. Um, <laughs> I was really intrigued by that question of, you know, how do you determine? So I think I'm going to write a blog post about this this week. I can smell your brain already working. And that fabulous question came from our very own Laura Otis, who's in the studio with us today. Ooh, Laura Thank Otis. you, Laura. Well, guys, uh, once again, an incredibly fabulous show. We hope everyone out there in listener lane learned something today and uh, can take some action and make better choices and impart this knowledge down to your friends. Let everybody know to be smart. Or actually, don't be stupid, rather, and be, be smart. Uh, about your choices as a consumer. Don't get abused by corporate profits in a country that values money over ethics. Yes, Jack? I have a question. If I buy a pink Cadillac, does any of the money go toward breast cancer <laughs> No, research? I don't think so, but you, you might get arrested by the cops. <laughs> you might become a Mary Kay cosmetic. Mary Kay, yeah, Mary Kay's going to chase you down. That's oh, it. yeah. Okay. Not Elvis Presley, though, right? No, definitely not. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for another phenomenal show. We'll see you all back here next week. And now it's time... For our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks. That's tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Like to thank our guests, Courtney Bugler, Kasha Ho, and Deborah Davis, and our live studio audience, Dawn Manley and Laura Otis. Next week's show, get ready for this, guys. Stand up to Stupid Cancer. In our spotlight, Federico Bernal, young adult testicular cancer survivor, assistant professor at the National Institute of Health and a pediatrics instructor at Dana-Farber. Diane Balma, executive director of Stand Up to Cancer, will be on the show. Laura Schauber, ovarian survivor, founder of the Clarity uh, Foundation, I missed up, and scientific advisory committee member for Stand Up to Cancer. If you've missed any of our previous shows, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, the i 2 i Dot com. If you don't already have Carol's book, Everything Changes, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in Your 20s and 30s, it is available wherever books are sold. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week, my friends, live from the chemo deck. Jack Buffard, Carol Rosenthal, Captain Stewie, and I wish you all a phenomenal evening. Go to bed, Leah. Fucker out. out.